It's very interesting that the worship teams, all the songs they sang today really spoke about the presence of God. I don't know if they did that because last week I started a series called uh, um, <clears throat> The Power of Living in His Presence. The series actually called Living in His Presence. But so often, uh, lots of times I'll start a series, they have no idea. And everything that they've planned in the Holy Ghost just lines up perfectly with what God shared and told me to share. And I believe that was the case also today. These are a Spirit-led team. Amen? Amen. Holy Spirit-led. Last week, I preached on the power of living in God's presence. This morning, I'm going to reiterate some things that I said last week, but I'm also going to preach on the fact that there is more to living in God's presence. There is more than anywhere else in the world. There is more in His presence than all the things you can accomplish or try to attain by aiming for things in the world. Last week we looked at Psalm 91 and uh, we started with verse 1. And verse 1 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of God. Man, when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I want to know that the shadow of God is hanging over me. Hello? When I'm going through tough times, I want to know that the shadow of God's presence is over me. You know, the shadow, your shadow's never very far. In fact, it doesn't matter where I stand, what position I take, shadow always starts from my feet and goes out. When we live in the shadow of God's presence, His shadow is all around us, and His shadow is always for us. I want you to repeat after me, God's shadow, God's presence, God's lingering atmosphere is for me and not against me. We looked at the word dwell last week, and it's the Hebrew word yashab, and it means to sit, to remain, to dwell, to settle, to make a habitation of, to marry. Listen. There's a lot of ways that we can have church. I don't want church to fall into the same category of the same hustle and bustle of life. We're racing from here to there, striving, struggling, in a hurry to meet all these agendas. If dwelling in God's presence is about sitting, and by the way, that's not why I'm sitting Remaining, settling, making a habitation, marrying. I'm going to tell you right now, no marriage will work if those two people don't take time to sit, to habitate, to dwell, to connect, to interact, to open up. Amen. Dwelling in God's presence isn't about doing your 60 minutes in church. Dwelling in God's presence isn't even about doing two hours in church. 
it's not even just about coming to church, dwelling in His presence. It's about making a life that focuses on Him. You know, I find myself talking to God all the time. I didn't say praying. Hear me. I find myself talking to God all the time. In fact, I have tried to, at least I realize that I need him so much that I find myself as I start waking in the middle of the night, you know how sometimes you start to wake and then you fall asleep again? Anyone like that? I find that even as I start to wake in the middle of the night, at times I hear myself saying, help me, Jesus. (laughs) I lived with me long enough that it has become common for me to say, help me, Jesus. (laughs) Come on, you've lived with yourself long enough to know that you need to say, help me, Jesus. To dwell in His presence. But whoever dwells in His presence, whoever marries up with God, whoever takes time to habitate, will rest in the shadow. And that word rest means to lodge, to um, pass the night, to abide all night, to continue to dwell. You will hang out in his shadow. And uh, the Hebrew word uh, shadow is the word tasal. And it literally means to hang out in his defense. To hang out in his fortress. To hang out in the presence of his power and strength that will keep you from the onslaught, the attacks of the enemy. I think we could all agree that we live in a pretty rugged world. We live in a very rugged world. And God is saying, well, in fact, David wrote this, and David, who was king of Israel, and he had nations all around him that were out for his blood, okay? We, We sort of have a a common law in a warfare that most nations try to abide, and that is the head of the nation is off bounds. You can't go for the head of a nation. I don't know who made up that rule. Probably the head of a nation. I think the heads of nations came together and said, well, if we're going to go to war, let's make a rule. Your people can't go after me, and my people won't go after you. But in David's time... You killed the king, you ended the war, and you took the spoils of war. And David lived in a very hostile environment. And David writes and says, I know that when I hang with God, when I take time to really just get caught up in God and show God that He is the priority of my life, I will rest in His fortress. I will rest in his protective care. I will be safe. And when you read Psalm 91, David talks about even if pestilence comes, even if arrows are flying through the air, it won't happen to me. A thousand will fall at my right hand. Ten thousand will fall on the right next to me on my left-hand side, but it won't happen to me. And David's strength or confidence didn't come from his ability as a, uh, as a soldier. 
Anyone knows that in the heat of battle, a stray arrow can just hit you in between your armor plating and take you out. David believed that there was this invisible connection between him and God, and it created a force field. It created a protection. It created a barrier. Church, we don't go to church for the sake of wearing out the cushions on the chairs. I don't think anyone would ever make it their goal. I want to go to church to wear out that seat. We go to church so we could hang out in his presence. And David was adamant that when I make my life about God and I marry up with God and I hang with God, it doesn't matter where I am, when it is, I am going to rest, I can relax, I can chill in the shadow of his protective power. That's a powerful thing. You see, Jesus said in the last days, people's hearts will fail for fear. Anxiety is at an all-time high. Depression is at an all-time high. People are on drugs to calm themselves down and to help them with different anxieties and issues that come. And I'm not rubbishing anyone who's in that predicament. What I am saying is if ever a society needed to learn this truth, it is today. Yeah, it is today. Whether we're hitting the, the bottle for alcohol or whether we're taking another drag on a, a marijuana to calm us down or uh, invading the, uh, the uh, medicine chest in the bathroom because we've got to still our nerves. Look, the reality is the more we know God and the more we hang with God, the more God will speak to our fears. He will speak to our hurts. He will speak to the things that will unsettle us. The more you understand the character of God, the more you will become confident that He really does have your back. He really is the God who holds you in the palm of His hand. Amen. That's a powerful thing. But there's more to living in the presence of God. That's the title here this morning. Last week we read real quickly in John chapter 15. Jesus said, I am the vine, you're the branches. And unless you're plugged into me, you'll never bear fruit. He said, and if there's dead branches, they get cut off. They get gathered up and they get put in the fire and they're burned. But the branches that are in me, even though they may bear just a little fruit, I'll prune them so that they bear more fruit. The more to life comes when we live more in the presence of God. The more to life comes when we live more in the presence of God. Jesus is actually promising us that if we really abide in Him, if we hang in Him, do we have that Greek word? If we abide in Him, uh, meno, to stay, to abide, to remain, to wait. My goodness, we live in such a pepped up society. Here we are, we're hanging with God in worship. And our natural minds would want to say, come on, come on, let's get on with the show. Come on, come on. What's next? What, what are they stalling for? 
We are so geared up by a world that is designated by the powers of darkness to get us so churned up so that we're constantly living on the edge of a nervous breakdown. But when we learn to hang with God, when we learn to let his presence literally drip on us, the whole world starts to change. I have found that the brokenness in me, nothing has healed that more than just the presence of God and knowing his character and trusting his word. And that has healed me so many times. It has taken the jagged edges of broken emotions and the presence of God, the worship, has often in in times like this, God ministers to things in me that have been messed up in the past. And so I like hanging out in God's presence. I like hanging out in the worship because the Rob Scarallo that comes out of that is a far better Rob Scarallo. Amen. And I hope you're cheering and clapping and agreeing because you're saying that about yourself, not, oh God, he needs it. <laughs> and if I need it so much, then that's a great reason for us to hang in worship next Sunday. Let's come and let's all hang out so that Pastor Rob gets better than what he is, right? Praise God. <laughs> all right. They're not sure if they should clap or not. <laughs> that was an awkward moment, wasn't it? <laughs> Uh, uh, do we say yes or not? <laughs> All right. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29 to 31. It says, He, God, gives power to the weak. Power to the weak. Where are you at? Inability, inferiority screams at you. Depression holds you down with a lock and a weight. The God we believe in is a God who's for us, not a God who's against us. And the God of, uh, of the Bible, the God who became flesh called Jesus, is a God who wants to give power to the weak. The thief has come. And he's taken over the world because the first Adam surrendered his right to be ruler and to be vice uh, regent in charge over the earth. And Lucifer seduced him and he handed over his title. And ever since then, those jealous, mongering demons have sought to make human life miserable. But there is a God who wasn't happy to stay seated in the heavens. He brought the good Good news of the gospel of heaven and the gospel of the kingdom of God is that God invaded the kingdom of darkness to set up his kingdom behind enemy lines and every day people are coming out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ and they are no longer governed by the powers of darkness or depression or despair but they come into the kingdom of the son of God and they are set free and liberated. Hallelujah. The God we believe in is the God who gives power to the weak. 
I love that. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Wow, that is pretty awesome, isn't it? That word power in the Hebrew is koak. And it means that he will give you might, powerful strength, literally force. Now this word is is a word that can be used for the positive or the negative. He'll give you force in a good sense or a bad sense. Obviously, God won't give you force in a bad sense. Figuratively, he gives ability, capacity, the means, the anointing to produce fruit, substance, wealth. He gives you creativity. You see, God takes the weak. Some people are naturally gifted and also naturally arrogant. And they're abusive and they're oppressive. And some of us aren't born with all those talents or at least we don't think we are. And inferiority looks back at us in the mirror. Inferiority shouts at us as we stand in the crowd of humanity. And no one else hears him speaking but we hear him speaking. But God gives strength to the weak. And he gives us the ability. I believe this with all of my heart. Man, you should have seen me as a kid. I was the kid who was full of inferiority, full of rejection. And I was born sickly and I was always sick. My oldest brother was the smart one. My second oldest brother was the charismatic one. And I was the sick one. And I used to suck on that sympathy that people would give me because I was so sickly when I was a child. From the day I was born, I was allergic to water. They could not wash me down with water. I, I was allergic to formula. I was allergic to my mother's milk. Uh, the only thing they could feed me was goat's milk. When you've had a diet of goat's milk, it stinks going in. And as it goes through your intestines, it has a multiplying effect. And it stinks even more coming out. And so my parents were cursed with this baby that had to be weaned on goat's milk that stunk up the house. And then as it came out the other end, it stunk ten times more and they couldn't wash them down with water. How's that for a curse? But God had a sense of humor. While they couldn't bathe me in water, I was literally allergic to water. Uh, They had to wash me down with oil, baby oil. And I think God's sense of humor was that he was anointing me from my childhood. Either that or because I'm born to two 100% Italian parents, he thought he'd make me a real greasy wog. One or the other, but you know. (laughs) Either way, uh, but I believe that everything I have today is because God gives strength to the weak. He will give us giftings. He will give us abilities. I, I, I remember my first day in school, I had a cousin she was six months younger than me. She lived in the same apartment building, her with her parents, me with my parents. I went to PS32 in Queens. And my first day 
in school. Here we all are on the ground floor, all these little kids waiting to go to their classes. And all these kids are chitter-chattering, excited, laughing. My, my girl cousin Carol is all excited, and I'm crying because I want mommy. Fear and inferiority were stamped into the person of who I was for many years. And I, the only solace I could get was sympathy. I got attention because I was sick. So I learned to long for that. That was the, my mark of distinction. And one day as I was growing up and I got saved, I asked Jesus in my heart at a fairly young age, God said to me, Rob, you have to hate that. Look, if you want to sip from the cup of uh, sympathy, there will always be a demon waiting to make your life miserable so you can drink from the cup of sympathy. And God made me understand that either I drink from that cup or I honor him and, and, and trust that he will make up the deficits of my life and that he will give me strength. And so I had to make a decision in my mind to not look forward to the sympathy or the attention, the negative attention. I had to make a decision in my mind to hate that because that's not what God destined me to be. God did not destine you to be a failure. God did not create you to be a loser. God did... He's not the God who comes to attack you. He's the God who comes to make the weak strong. Hallelujah. And so I had to make a mental decision and an emotional decision. Do you know my comfort zone? My comfort zone was having people feel sorry for me. My comfort zone was self-pity. My comfort zone was being timid and backward. And I had to decide, you know what, I, that's not who God created me to be. And I want to assure you today, irrespective of what you're going through in life, irrespective of what the last 15 years have been or the last 49 years have been, God didn't create you to be broken. God didn't create you to be a failure. God didn't create you to be messed up. God didn't create you so that you would live on the edge of suicide constantly thinking everyone else would be better off if you didn't exist. God created you because He designed you in His imagination and He loved you and He loves you and He wants to fill you with His Holy Spirit and set you free from all of those lying voices that get in your face and bring torment to you. This is the God who gives strength to the weak. This is the God who gives us ability and capacity. He gives us gifts. And the more we learn to dwell in His presence, the more we learn to hang with Him, the more God's presence starts to pull out of us and develop inside of us everything we are destined for. We live in a society that puts all the emphasis on education. And education will put enough stuff inside of your head so that you will have the ability to produce. And you will only survive in life if you produce. And that is the unspoken 
agenda and understanding in life. But I want to tell you something. What the world doesn't know is that you could spend 20 years and 30 years in the institutions of learning, but it won't make a life for you. It might teach you how to make a living, but it will not do one iota to creating life. But hanging in the presence of God will make you the person and it will give you far greater ability than any education could ever give you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. It goes on to say here in verse 30, let's have a look at verse 30. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and even young men utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength, and they will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. I want to tell you, yeah, go on. (laughs) It sounds like I don't have to tell you. You already got it. (laughs) You know, we trust in youth. We trust in our youthfulness. Even myself, I've said many times, you know, I I meet someone who's uh, 30 years old and I say, oh, to be 30 again. But the truth of the matter is, I get up and I lecture on a Wednesday night, three hours straight. Thursday night, I get up, lecture another three hours. And I find that a lot of people half my age can't keep pace with me. And it's because those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength and they will rise up with wings like an eagle. You know, the world is so age conscious, but if we get Holy Ghost conscious, that out, outstrips age or youthfulness any day of the week. Hallelujah. There is more to life when we learn to hang out with God. There is more to life when you learn to sit in His Word. Yes, I said sit in His Word. Any bozo can just read across the page and let the words come out of their mouth. But when you literally plop down in the middle of a verse and you start filling your mind with what this means and you start asking the Holy Ghost, Spirit of God, fill me up with the meaning of what I'm reading. Anybody can read the Bible like ingredients on the back of a food package. But when you sit in the Word of God, you allow the Word of God to start teaching you and you're there not to see how many pages you could read, but how much revelation you can get. What the Word of God will do for you is absolutely phenomenal. I believe the whole purpose of this series, yeah. The whole purpose of this series, I was in uh, one of the Saturday morning prayer meetings about three weeks ago. And I really, very clearly felt like God said to me, I want to draw my people closer to me. I want them to abide in my presence. There is more. The more life. We live in a great country and we're very blessed. 
But the American dream presents the mores that society or life has to offer. But not everyone gets them. I want to tell you, there is more than the more that the great American dream has to offer. And the greatest that you can achieve and derive, the greatest more is hanging out in the presence of God. He will make you more than enough. He will make you more than your enemies. He will make you more than the kingdom of darkness. He will make you so much more that your cup will run over and spill out all over the place. Stand with me. Thank you, Jesus. No one can heal you or make you whole like the God who loved you enough to take your place on the cross. God loves you. You might be all of 15 and convinced that you're insignificant and you're worthless and struggle with depression. It, it amazes me. Beautiful, beautiful, talented, created human beings, 15 years old, and in this society struggle with suicide it's sad they haven't found the God who believes in them they haven't come to face to face with the Jesus who not only died for them but will live in them to every one of you here It's not about going to church. It's about letting the God of heaven in our hearts. And we become this living, breathing organism of God called the church. It's not made with brick. It's not made with stone or concrete. The church of Jesus Christ is something that hell can't stop. The gates of hell cannot prevail. But the church is made up of funny people like me and you. We're all unique and different, and we all have our funny irks and quirks, and yet the glory of God comes on us. And who we are in Christ is more powerful than all the demons of hate and fear and anger that live in the kingdom of darkness. Who we are because Jesus is in us is far greater than anything the world has ever seen. I believe God's talking 
to people's hearts. To the whole church, for those of you who have asked Jesus Christ into your heart, this is a call. Come and spend time with Dad. Sit in the Word of God. It's not just about Sunday morning. Come, open your Bible. Ask the Holy Spirit to talk to you. Men, come on, men. It's not wussy being a Christian. That's what the world says. So why don't you break from the mold of the world and be a man just to show them that you're man enough to be what they think is wussy. To the church, God's calling us. I believe that the Spirit of God has been moving. (laughs) Unfortunately, I can't always tell you other people's stories, but we're hearing so many breakthroughs, so many people's lives being set free. God has been moving in this church. But as God is moving, God's saying, come on, move closer to me. Amen. Amen. And so firstly, this is a call to the church. Make him your habitation. Come on, marry up. Marry him. Marry him. Get entwined with him. You know, in Isaiah 40, we were reading it. It says, they that wait upon the Lord. That word wait in the Hebrew literally means to bind yourself around him by twisting. Just like a vine. Quava. To wait, to look, patiently to tarry. The primitive root means to bind together even by twisting. Come here, Julio. I'm going to make me and you look a little bit silly. Well, I'm going to make me look silly. But to wait upon the Lord, just face me. (laughs) To wait upon the Lord... Is to bind yourself around him, to twist yourself around him like a vine. And so it's like doing this here. You know. God, I, I just wanna I wanna get around you, God. I wanna I, I wanna get around you. I wanna be all over you, God. This guy's so light I could pick him up. <laughs> to bind thank you, buddy. To bind yourself. Stay here with me. To bind yourself. To twist around God's Word. Not to twist His Word. To let yourself twist around the words of God. Let the Word of God become one with who you are. Men, sometimes as men we think, "Ah, it's not cool to pray. What's what's this praying stuff? I got to, in all honesty... I have never felt stronger or more powerful or more manly than knowing my dad and having relationship with him and feeling his strength and his favor on my face. Men and women, to bind yourself around God to let his Holy Spirit poke his finger into those wounded areas that when anybody else touches it you want to thump them or you bite or you react 
We all have them. They're called hot buttons, triggers. We all have them. Let the Holy Ghost get in there. Because as you start to bind yourself around Him, He will start to heal the open wounds and close the gaping holes. Amen. The second call is to those of you who have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart. It's not about a religion. I, I sure won't ask you to put a stamp that says Grace and Faith Church on your forehead. It's not about joining a church. It's not about religion. It's about asking Jesus Christ to come inside your life. Nobody understands you like God understands you. And I don't care how messed up you might think you are. God gets you. And God loves you. And so I'm going to ask right now, if you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, what are you waiting for? Your best friend died to have a relationship with you. The best friend you don't know yet. <laughs> Listen, I've had people like me and I've had people hate me. I've had people come to this church and say, I'd follow you if you had just a water pistol. I'd follow you into the belly of hell. And I've watched them take a machine gun and shoot me. People will come and go. But you know, God remains the same. And he never lets us go. Your best friend that you never knew you had, he died for you. And he's waiting for you to give him a chance to come inside your life. Amen. So right now, if you've never asked Christ to come inside of you, come on, put your hand up with me. Put your hand up right now and say, I want to ask Jesus into my life. I want to invite Jesus Christ into my heart. Is that you? Come on. Be, be the first. Put your hand up. Be bold. Don't be shy. Don't be ashamed. I'm going to ask, last week, seven people asked Jesus in their hearts. So amazing. So amazing. I'm going to ask everyone to be very polite and gentle. This is not, this is not an opportunity to be rude or obnoxious or arrogant. Soft, gentle. Just turn to the person next to you. Hi, what's your name? Gina. Gina. Now I know Gina. I'm just showing you how to do this. <laughs> hey, I'm so glad you're here today. Have you ever asked Jesus into your heart? Do you know him? No. Gina, if you want to accept Jesus in your heart, this is, sweetie, I'm so glad you're here. This is the best thing I've ever done. I'd be willing to go out the front with you if you want to come they're just going to pray for you and help you receive Jesus Christ would you turn to someone and do that right now come on turn to someone even if you know them obedience even if you know them Julio ask your mother amen 
Come on down the front. If that's you, bring your friend with you. Come on down the front. Well, don't tell me we got everyone saved last week. <laughs> All right, come on, put your hands together. Here comes Richie. Come on, Pastor Jan, come down the front. Tom, come on down the front. Lynn, come on down the front. Come on, if you haven't come out the front and you need to, come on, come on. Now's the time to come and let Jesus have access to your life. Amen. I want everyone to pray this prayer with me, especially those of you who have walked out the front this morning. Going to church is one thing. It's a good thing. But when you let Jesus get inside, wow. That's when it really kicks off. Hey. So I want everyone to repeat after me, Dear God, I believe you're here. And I really do believe you care about me. I'm feeling it. I'm sensing it. Jesus Christ, I believe you are God. And I need you. Come into my heart right now. I've made some mistakes. I've got some baggage. But I believe you love me anyway. Forgive me of all my sins. Set me free. Live inside me. And help me to live again. I thank you God for hearing my prayer. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you. I want you to go with Tom. Tom's going to take you next door uh, just for a couple of minutes, share with you, and you can go with him. That's fine. That's not a problem. Uh, come on, church, give them all a big hand. Would you go with Tom as well? Awesome. Isn't it great to see people opening their lives to Jesus? And if you're here and you did that last week, God bless you. That's not something you have to do every, every week. It's like if you and I kick off a friendship, every time you see me, you don't have to say, would you be my friend? <laughs> you ask Jesus in your heart, that's it. And now you start to grow with Him. You start to grow with Him. And He will teach you wonderful things. And best of all, He starts to... You know, when we fix things, we put patches on them. When God fixes things, He literally just makes it whole. Yeah. He doesn't patch us up. He just makes us whole. Amen. Amen. We had been in praying in the Spirit all day. Wow. Yesterday. Wake up and sense His presence. There's more to living in His presence. Praise God. God's talking. Amen. God's talking. Church, let's move forward in the Holy Ghost. Can I get an agreement? 
I want you to know when you're at work and it feels tough, I want you to pray under your breath. I want you to cry out to God. David says in Psalm 91 verse 1, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and He is my fortress. And then in verse 9 and 10, he says it again. Anyone who says that God is their shelter. And then he starts to list all 